0: Hello, you spooktacular people. The term March Madness usually represents college basketball's finals. But here at History Goes Bump, we focus more on the madness. Specifically, the madness of a particular person, Madame LaLaurie. This is one of our haunted true crimes. We wanted to make it available to everybody and put it on the public feed. This is what you get when you become an executive producer at the $5 and above level. Enjoy. From the outside, the LaLaurie family appeared successful, glamorous, and respected. And why wouldn't they? Leonard Louis LaLaurie was a doctor, and the home he shared with his wife, Delphine, was furnished in the trendiest styles that spared no expense and paintings from famous artists hung on the walls. Lavish parties were hosted on a regular basis at the LaLaurie home. But behind the facade was a terrible secret. The deeds of Delphine LaLaurie would inspire nightmares, and the tragic emotions left behind have spawned tales of hauntings, leaving many to claim that the LaLaurie Mansion is the most haunted location in New Orleans. Come on, folks, everybody sing. During the 18th and 19th century in Louisiana, a group of people that descended from the French and Spanish settlers were called Creoles. They were white, black, and mixed races that usually spoke French, and a mixture of French and English. Creole women enjoyed freedoms that many of the women of that time around the rest of the country did not have. They were able to own property and plantations, and part of this property were slaves. This culture was particularly prevalent in New Orleans. New Orleans is the kind of town that just carries a mystique about it, and so it's fitting that the LaLaurie Mansion is located here. Marie Delphine McCarty was born as a Creole in 1780 in New Orleans, Louisiana. She married her first husband, Don Ramón de López y Anglo, who was a high-ranking Spanish royal officer at the age of 14. Louisiana was a Spanish colony at the time, and when the Louisiana Purchase was finalized, López found himself being shipped back to Spain. A pregnant Delphine joined him on the voyage, but he died en route to Havana. Delphine gave birth during the trip and she decided it would be best to return to New Orleans with her baby, a daughter named Marie Delphine Francisca Borgia, whom she called Borgita. A friend of the pirate Jean Lafitte, named Jean-Paul Blanc, would be Madame LaLaurie's second husband. He was a Frenchman and a slave trader and merchant. The couple married in 1808 and purchased a home at 409 Royal Street, which was a two-story brick townhouse they dubbed via Blanc. The building still exists today and now houses Ida Mannheim antiques. The family was wealthy enough to have a plantation on the banks of the Mississippi River as well and owned 26 slaves. The couple added four children to their brood, Marie-Louise Pauline, Louise-Marie-Laurie, Marie-Louise Jean, and Jean-Pierre Pauline Blanc. Apparently Delphine liked the name Marie quite a bit. The couple had only been married seven years when Blanc died in 1815. Delphine has now had two husbands die, and we don't know why. Leonard louis Nicholas LeLaurie studied medicine at the Saborn in Paris and traveled to New Orleans when he was 22 years old in 1825. The city appealed to him because of the practice of voodoo and the types of drugs used by this practice that appeared to zombify people. He was looking forward to attempting various experiments. He contacted the editor of the New Orleans newspaper, The Courier, and asked him to run an announcement that read, quote, A French physician has just arrived in the city who is acquainted with the means lately discovered in France of destroying hunches, end quote. Madame lalori had a daughter with scoliosis, and she took her to Dr. lalori for treatment. Delphine and Louis soon fell in love. They married in 1827, but not before causing some controversy. Delphine gave birth to their son, Jean-Louis, five months before they were married. Dr. LaLaurie was quite a bit younger than Delphine, and he was only worth a couple thousand dollars. Delphine purchased a lot at 1140 Royal Street in the French Quarter that already had a house under construction there. The home would come to be known as the LaLaurie Mansion. It was two stories with an attic. They threw lavish parties, and anybody who was anybody was invited to attend. The children were always dressed in expensive clothing, and the slaves in the home attended to every guest's need. It all seemed so wonderful and normal but beneath the surface, cracks were starting to inch across this facade. Madame LaLaurie seemed to be sinking into a type of madness, and the marriage began to unravel. In 1832, Madame LaLaurie petitioned the courts for a separation from the doctor, and she claimed that he had beaten her. Rumors began to spread that all was not right at the LaLaurie mansion, and this was not just in regards to the LaLaurie marriage. Guests stopped attending parties and were disturbed by things they heard about the treatment of slaves at the house. A neighbor named Jean Boez had been writing to a friend in France, and he documented observations he made, writing, quote, They do not have a happy household. They fight, often separate, and then return to each other, which would make one believe that someday they will abandon each other completely. End quote. He also wrote that he had heard about quote, barbarous treatment of her slaves. She had them incarcerated, letting them be given only the bare necessities. End quote. These types of claims attracted the authorities, and she was investigated on three occasions. The third investigation was a result of another neighbor observing a disturbing scene. She heard a scream and witnessed a young slave girl running across the roof of the house, with Madame LaLaurie in pursuit, carrying a whip. The frightened child leapt from the roof to her death. Her body was buried on the property, and the rumor that went around about why this child was being chased to perform a beating upon was because she had been Delphine's personal servant and the girl had pulled her hair while brushing through it that morning. The authorities took away nine of the LaLaurie slaves and took them to auction to sell them to new owners. Delphine had contacted relatives and convinced them to buy back those same slaves and they were returned to the horrors of the mansion. At this point what was going on behind the doors of the mansion were just whispers and rumors but soon everyone would know the awful truth. on april 10th 1834 a fire broke out in the kitchen it is believed that the cook was the one who started the fire and she did it to stop the abuse she was suffering she was chained to the stove every day and forced to cook food she was not allowed to eat the Lalori daughters would try to sneak food to the cook and other servants and were occasionally beaten themselves for this infraction firefighters rushed to the home and managed to push back the flames They conducted a search of the home to make sure that everyone had gotten out, and they found a secret door leading into the attic. They asked for the keys and were not given them, so they busted down the door. And what they found was the stuff of horror movies. Inside the attic, slaves were chained naked to the walls. Those not locked to the wall were locked atop makeshift operating tables. Buckets of body parts were placed about the room. One female slave had excrement in her mouth that had been sewn shut. Another female had her abdomen sliced open and her intestines were wrapped around the outside of her body. A male slave had a hole bored into his head and a small stick was placed inside so that his brains could be stirred. Men had their fingernails ripped off and their genitals removed. Most of these people were dead or close to it, and when doctors were called to the mansion, these poor people begged them to kill them and relieve their pain. These accounts were reported in the newspaper, the New Orleans Bee. The attic became known as Madame LaLaurie's torture chamber. A couple of victims who had survived were a female who had been crammed into a small cage with broken bones that had been set at odd angles, and another woman who had been boxed, meaning her arms and legs were removed. Were these some kind of sadistic experiment performed by Dr. LaLaurie? And if they had been his work, was it at the request of Delphine? Many claim that this was the work solely of Madame LaLaurie, and that the doctor had turned a blind eye to her deeds. Still others claim that these stories were just embellished. Here's the story, as the New Orleans Bee wrote, The flames having spread with an alarming rapidity, and the horrible suspicion being entertained among the spectators, that some of the inmates of the premises where it originated were incarcerated therein. The doors were forced open for the purpose of liberating them. Previous, however, to take this liberty, if liberty it can be called, several gentlemen impelled by their feelings of humanity demanded the keys which were refused them in a gross and insulting manner. Upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacle met their eyes. Seven slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, were seen suspended by the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Language is powerless and inadequate to give a proper conception of the horror, which a scene like this must have inspired. We shall not attempt it, but leave it rather to the reader's imagination, to picture what it was. These slaves were the property of the demon in the shape of a woman, whom we mentioned in the beginning of this article. They had been confined by her for several months in the situation from which they had thus providentially been rescued, and had been merely kept in existence to prolong their suffering, and to make them taste all the most refined cruelty could inflict but why dwell upon such aggravating and painful particulars we feel confident that the community share with us our indignation and that vengeance will fall heavily upon the guilty culprit without being superstitious we cannot but regard the manner in which these atrocities have been brought to light as an in especial interposition of heaven End quote. the people of the french quarter went nuts with this news and wanted madame lalaurie to pay They rushed the home and tore items apart, looking for Delphine. She was not there. She had already made her escape in a carriage and had made her way to Mobile, Alabama. She then made off for New York and then boarded a ship to France. Madame LaLaurie never did return to New Orleans and never paid for her crimes. She died in Paris in 1849 at the age of 69. Letters between her children and herself indicate that Madame LaLaurie seemed to have suffered from some form of mental illness. After the mansion was sacked, it laid vacant for a few years. Neighbors reported hearing screams coming from the unoccupied home. The cries sounded as though people were in agony. Full-bodied apparitions of slaves were seen wandering on the grounds in the balconies. During the time that it was unoccupied, vagrants would occasionally seek shelter in the mansion, and people claimed that they would just disappear. In 1837, Charles Cafin purchased the mansion but he only lasted there for three months. After he bought the property, he remodeled it into the home we see today that rises to three stories, and it's quite different than the original. He fled the house, claiming that he had heard constant strange noises and cries. He tried to lease the rooms, but the tenants never stayed more than a few days. He finally gave up and abandoned the mansion, which fell into disrepair. The mansion was restored in 1888 and has served many capacities over the years, including a public high school, a conservatory of music, a tenement a refuge for young delinquents, a bar, a furniture store, and a luxury apartment building. Its most famous owner, other than Delphine, was actor Nicolas Cage. He bought the LaLaurie Mansion in 2007 from Hancock Park Real Estate Company, LLC, for a sum of $3.45 million. The property went into foreclosure and was listed for auction on November 13, 2009. The new owners of the property became Regions Financial Corporation, and they paid $2.3 million. As of 2016, the home is not open for tours or visitors because it's a private residence. Another person lost their life in the mansion in 1892. Jules Vigny was a member of a wealthy New Orleans family. He was eccentric and lived as a vagrant. He took up residence in the LaLaurie Mansion in the late 1880s. He was found dead on an old ratty cot. Rumors circulated that there was a lost treasure in the house that included antiques and several thousands of dollars that had belonged to Vigny. No one made an attempt to find the treasure, though, because they feared the mansion. During its time as a tenement, several strange events were reported. A renter told a terrifying tale of being confronted by a naked black man in chains who tried to attack him and then he suddenly disappeared. Other tales were more horrific. Family pets were killed in the house, and several children claimed that a whip-wielding phantom had chased them. Disembodied spirits appeared that were shrouded in wraps of cloth. At night, there was the ever-present sounds of agonized cries, screams, and groans. At one point, the mansion opened as a bar named The Haunted Saloon because of its reputation. The bar owner would keep records of the eerie experiences of patrons, He finally threw in the towel and it was opened as a furniture store. That business was short-lived because of something strange that would happen with the furniture. The owner would lock up everything tight at night and would return in the morning to find the furniture covered in a dark and foul-smelling liquid. He assumed that vandals were somehow breaking in and ruining his furniture. One night he waited inside with a loaded shotgun. He waited all night for the vandals to show, but they never did but that didn't stop the furniture from being ruined once again. At first light, he found that all the furniture was covered in the same stinky, dark fluid once again. He sold the building. Tourists who take pictures of the mansion or walk by the house claim to capture orbs in their pictures and to have weird feelings. Sometimes a person experiences a fainting spell. Nicolas Cage himself is reported to have only spent one night in the mansion because the unearthly moans at night drove him from the house did the crimes attributed to Madame LaLaurie really take place? Is the mansion that she left behind still harboring the souls of her former slaves? Is the LaLaurie mansion haunted? That is for you to decide.